Hey everybody, this is Coach Matt Hunter here from Athletic Lab to talk about some concepts for change of direction progression that I did some Instagram videos on. We're going to summarize and go into a little bit more detail about some of them here on the audio inventory today. So we're going to divide this into three conceptual phases, and you could blur the lines between them, but really these are going to be the overlapping concepts and the overarching plan that we're going to use to go from the basics up to all the way what we care about, which is performance in games. So things start in the first of those with what I'm going to call the acquisition phase. So at this point, we're breaking skills down to their very, very simplest. So for someone who is completely new to this, it's a complete beginner, let's just say, that could be exceptionally simple. So we're just talking about moving in each plane of motion, let's say. So simple first one would be straight ahead linear acceleration. A lot of times we don't think about the idea of sprinting in a straight line as part of a change of direction progression, but really at the end of the day when we're talking about speed and agility in sports, it can be great that you can cut and stop on a dime and turn and side shuffle, but if you can't get anywhere fast, it doesn't really serve any purpose when you become in an environment of a competitive sport. So straight ahead sprinting, and that's really going to be a foundation through all of this, but that's going to be your basis. Then we got backpedaling. So those are two right there in sagittal plane stopping when you're running straight ahead in that. Once again, sagittal plane. And then we get into the frontal and transverse planes. We talk about side shuffling or running with a turn or cutting and changing direction. But we're breaking these down very, very simple to just the building blocks in the acquisition phase. So any of the drills here will be completely scripted. So what I mean by that, there's no chaos at all. The athletes know exactly what they're going to do before the drill starts and there's nothing that's going to be of any surprise. That way they can just work on the movement skill and the acquiring that skill. That's why I call it the acquisition phase here. So the exact duration of this can depend on A, the athletes you're working with, or B, the timeline overall that you have. So someone who is more advanced and maybe you're in a private training setting like here at Athletic Lab and you've got uh, a month to help someone get ready for their season, you might be trying to go through this fairly quickly and even blending your acquisition phase into the second one within the first couple weeks. But if you have the luxury of having a long time to do this, if you have an entire year, this could be a great thing to do right after the transition phase if we're talking about traditional periodization. So we're starting within our general prep doing this type of work. If we then get into, in a classical periodization model, what we would say specific prep, or once in this case here, the acquisition phase is complete, we get into what I'm going to call integration. So integration is now taking those building blocks and skills that we talked about. So acceleration, stopping, side shuffling, backpedaling, cutting, etc., and putting them together into more complicated drills that may look a lot more now like what you would actually expect to see in the sport. Though it doesn't necessarily mean when I say look like the sport that in order to do change of direction for lacrosse, you have to be holding a lacrosse stick. Or in order to do change of direction for basketball, you have to be dribbling. You don't necessarily have to try to mimic the uh, sport exactly. In fact, I think it can be better to take some of the sport specificity type stuff out and just get these foundational patterns and foundational integration of patterns for athletic development before we get to eventually what would be their sport practices and whatever exactly 
exact specificity that requires. So what I mean by this here, let's say we have building blocks of acceleration, cutting, side shuffling, and stopping. So let's say you sprint ahead 10 yards, and then you cut out to a cone that's on the right. From there, you side shuffle back to the first cone and backpedal to your original starting spot. A drill like that would be integrating multiple skills from change of direction earlier in this progression that we did in the acquisition phase, and we're putting them together. But notice, there's still no chaos here. So what I mean by that is the drill is scripted before the athletes begin. They know exactly what pattern they're going through. And that's because we're really still reinforcing can we do those building blocks extremely well? So making sure that we can actually make all of these changes direction, make all these movement pieces um, flow from one to the next, but also make sure that they're being done at a high level of proficiency. Coordination is key, and if we want to make these become automatic, we want to train in as close to ideal movement as we can. So we are always striving for perfection when it comes to the movement here. You may realistically know that, okay, not every rep is going to look perfect, especially when we're trying to challenge athletes, and that's fine. But we're trying to move towards a state of being where these athletes can automatically go from one to the next to the next without thinking. And so right now, before we get there, we got to make sure they can do all of those when they know exactly what's going on. So there's no chaos yet in what we're calling the integration phase. And finally, improvisation would be the last one. So if we get into pre-competition or late specific prep type areas of a traditional periodization model, that's probably where you're going to be looking at this here. And at that point, you can or, uh, you can add small amounts to then larger amounts of unpredictability and chaos to the environment. So if we take that same drill I described a minute ago, you sprint out 10 yards, side shovel to the right 5 yards, or I think I said sprint out 10 yards, Cut and sprint to the right five yards, side shuffle back five yards, and backpedal 10 yards. If you can imagine that. Now, say we did that same exact drill, but when the athlete's running towards that first cone 10 yards out, they don't know if they're going to go left or right. And then they get some sort of auditory or visual indication. Maybe the coach points left or right, or you yell that direction, or whatever it may be that you see fit. So they're having to react to that. Or potentially you get towards environments where things are even less predictable. So we're talking leader-follower drills. So maybe one athlete's job is to get open while the other athlete has to guard them in the traditional kind of offense-defense scenario that you would see in sports. And at that point, particularly for the athlete who is playing defense, they are having to react. So they don't know if the next thing they're going to have to do is cut to the left, cut to the right, do a crossover step, end up turning and backpedaling, continuing to accelerate if um, the offense, in this case, or the uh, leader decides to just bolt down. Whatever restrictions you put on the drill will make it less chaotic. And as you take away those restrictions, it becomes more chaotic and therefore closer to what we're going to see in the actual sport environment. So at this point, we want to make sure, we want to assume that things have gone correctly. In the acquisition phase, we've got these building blocks correct. So we know the athletes can do every piece of this. In the integration, in the integration phase, we know the athletes can actually link those pieces together. And finally now in improvisation, because we know that they can do all those skills and because we know that they can link them together, we should still be able to expect that once we come out of this improvisation phase and it's time to actually compete in the sport, 
they can go ahead and do these movements in a chaotic environment at a high level. So they're not going to be putting themselves in compromising positions as often. They're going to be able to move faster. And that's really what we're getting towards to the end goals of this a performance within the game and also decreasing the likelihood of injury because the movements are better. They are more able to handle the chaos of the environment. If you skip the early phases and go straight to the improvisation phase, for some athletes, you could probably get away with that. But you are never hurting anybody by taking a step back at least to the early phases for a short period of time in order to make sure we really reinforce, A, the movement patterns here, but B, when we're, we are reinforcing the movement patterns, we're getting a training stimulus by doing so. So even if it's not chaotic in the start, for an athlete who's very advanced late in their athletic career, we still get a serious training stimulus from, let's say, just straight ahead acceleration from sprint to stop type drills. And we can build out from there as we get more and more specific. So this has been Matt Hunter talking on the Athletic Lab audio inventory about change of direction. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in.